Hey everybody, Adam Shartoff here, your host of Film Wax Radio. Uh, Friday, May 29th, 2020. It was my 72nd day of quarantining. 72. And this is episode number 615 of the podcast. Oh, it's such a good episode too. It's uh, You know, Zoom has really opened up the podcast, especially during, of course, this particular period of time during our pandemic here. I have to say, it's 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 made much more possible as a podcaster getting to more people, and I'm, I'm tri- and so the the upcoming weeks are uh, unbelievable. We're getting some amazing episodes lined up for you. I'm I'm really excited about what I'm looking at here. <laughs> I really am. Um, some of my favorite people are coming back on the show. I've got just unbelievable. We're going to celebrate in a second part of also in a second part of an uh, episode. We're going to celebrate. The filmmaker Lynn Shelton, who recently passed away unexpectedly. I put together a compilation, I think it was last week. Uh, but what we're going to do on an upcoming episode, and shortly is in the next week or two, is post an episode with some of her dearest friends who have honestly, I don't know how to express my appreciation for them coming on and talking so openly about that loss in their lives to me and onto a podcast. It's, it was tremendous. And so I thank those folks who did that. So that'll be coming up. But I will talk more about the upcoming guests um, on the back end of the show here. Uh, in the meantime, this show is a lot of fun. I got an email some time ago from my, my friend Patrick Donvito, who is an editor. He edited uh, most recently of Note Green Book, which, of course, got the Oscar for Best Picture last year. He was among those on stage to receive that award. We had him on the podcast. You can find that episode. It's number 537, which we did back in February of uh, 2019. And he contacted me. I was so grateful to hear from him. And he said, you know, I just recently wrapped on a new film. It's coming out. It's called Arkansas. It's directed and stars Clark Duke. I get him to do the show. Well, three of us will do the podcast together. I said, wow, sure. Of course, let's do it. Clark Duke, my gosh. He's a big star, funny guy, perfect for the show. You know Clark Duke, of course, from most notably from Hot Tub Time Machine, both films. He was in Kick-Ass, and I believe the sequel, Bad Moms, The Crudes, tons of other movies and television shows. He is a big-time actor. But did you know he's also a, a screenwriter and a f- director? He is. And Arkansas is a breakout for him. It is a terrific film with an incredible cast. Let's just say, first, it's being distributed by Lionsgate, so that's a big deal. It's his directorial debut. And he has lined up in this cast Liam Hemsworth, Vince Vaughn, John Malkovich, Vivica A. Fox, just to name some of the cast. Liam Hemsworth plays Kyle and Clark Duke plays, plays Swin. They, they live by the orders of an Arkansas-based drug kingpin named Frog, played by Vaughn, whom they've never met. Posing as junior park rangers by day, they operate as low-level drug couriers by night under the watchful eye of Frog's proxies, played by John Malkovich and Vivica Vox. Uh, Swin then settles into his day job by taking up a relationship with Jonna, uh, played by Eden Brolin, against orders to blend in while Kyle continues to question his night job by trying to figure out who Frog really is. Their world is then upended after one too many inept decisions, and Kyle, Swin, and, and Jonna find themselves directly in Frog's crosshairs, who mistakenly sees them as a threat to his empire. Based on John Brandon's best-selling book of the same name, Arkansas weaves together three decades of Deep South drug trafficking to explore the cycle of violence that turns young men into criminals and old men into legends. The movie is available now, on demand, and digital Blu-ray combo and DVD. 
What's a DVD? I don't even know anymore. You can see it pretty much everywhere, Apple movies and elsewhere. So uh, after you listen to this, go see, watch Arkansas. Here it is now, editor and friend of the podcast, Patrick J. Don Vito, and new friend of the podcast. We hope to have him on many times in the future because he's, he's terrific. Clark Duke, right here on Film Wax Radio. Because everything that glitters is not gold. Come on back with the Gatlin. A lot of people don't know about organized crime in the South, that it's not that organized. What's with the cones? I thought the randomness of it might throw off a cop. I guess that's smart. I'm near the bottom rung of an outfit run by a man I've never met before, a man named Frog. I'm the boss. You may never refuse an order, and you may never quit. Pat Bright, park ranger. I'm with Frog. I've been ordered to intervene. Do not socialize with the locals. Do not draw attention to yourself. This is creepy. Do you like creepy? Patrick, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Can't see you though. Aha. Okay. You have to. It's very interesting. Booyah. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen you in person. Oh, uh, whatever this is. Since uh, since whenever? Since uh. Well, last time we did it, I think we just we just did it with no video. Oh right. I think I saw you though. But I think we only used the audio though. Maybe I'm wrong. It, 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 I just assumed that everything before the pandemic was not done with Zoom, and so therefore, <laughs> there were. I know problems. all of a sudden Zoom is like huge. Can you imagine they it? Stock in they that. the pandemic for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what the good part of it is. I've been thinking about this. Is that uh, this means that going forward, it'll be much easier to do these because people will be already used to it. That we're not wouldn't let's say not have been in that demographic before. Right. That's true. So many people get so touchy and, and antsy around trying new technology, and it's been the bane of my existence doing this. But now I feel like I can, you know, just say, let's get on Zoom with whomever and never have to be in the same room with another fucking <laughs> filmmaker again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's uh, my wife's a teacher, so, and she teaches kindergarten. Oh, wow. Forget it. It's ridiculous because they don't have any attention span. It's impossible. No, it's not. You can't do it. I know. I know a lot of teachers. And it's true for any grade school age, even at probably sixth grade. Forget it. Yeah. I was a guest bad. in a classroom, actually, and the kids were, first of all, they, most of them had their video off anyway. God knows what was going on. <laughs> but forget, yeah, no. And also therapy sessions. I know therapists, too, that, oh, all right, I'll tell you, it's my therapist. But she said she's got some kids. <laughs> and, yeah, it's very difficult to do therapy with yeah. a kid. Oh, know? yeah. And now they've been doing it for weeks and it's getting worse. Like they, it seems like they're done with it. Right. Like uh, they, they don't, um, she talked to a lot of the parents and the parents said that the kids don't think it's school. They don't look at it as school. Oh, they're right. They're too young to understand that. So they just look at it as, you know, I'm on this computer with the teacher. They don't look at it like, like older students would. Um, right. They're looking to game. Hard. They're looking at gaming. Uh, the gaming options on the on Zoom. They just don't understand. Yeah. I think Clark. Uh, oh, dude, there he is. I think Clark's on. You there, Clark? Hey, can hey. you guys? Hey. You guys hear me? <laughs> How's it going? Oh, um, let me put my. Uh, I think this mic. This is um, mostly for the audio, right? So I'll put this uh, this microphone here. Seems it to work. Really, with Zoom, it's okay because it all syncs it up and it's, it doesn't really. Does make it sound, do I sound okay right now? I'm just yeah. Looking, yeah. yeah. I, I was a little bit, I was, you know, we have the one minor issue of, of I think, talking over each other. So yeah. now I know, Patrick, I know you, uh, you're not Jewish. And <laughs> I'm Italian. It's, it's the, you know, the New York Italians and the Jews are very similar. They're meaning very we similar. Talk, yeah, we talk over each other all the time. Yes. <laughs> we'll try to not do that. So, I'll hang back while you guys do most of the talking. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, let me start off. I'm already recording. That's the way I roll. Like most people will ask me about 20 minutes in, are we, are we starting? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in, I'm just, I have a lot of problems. So one of them is how I do this podcast. So as you know, often it's people don't know they're on the podcast. So anyway, uh, thank you both for working this out with me. It's, it's, yeah. it's a joy to talk to you both. And uh, how do we begin? So, 
well, I enjoyed the film. It was really great. Uh, maybe you could start, Clark, telling me, since you wrote this film too, right? Right, yep. Yeah, yeah. so you're a multi-hyphenate now. Yeah, I, I did craft service too. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, co-wrote the film, produced the film, directed the film, and I'm in the film. Edited it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, not video edited, I, I just helped. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I loved it. Cause I mean, for me as an actor, I get, um, I, I, especially, especially the last few years, I would get bored a lot just cause you know, your, your, your life as an actor is a lot of just sitting around and it's a lot of hurry up and wait, you know, I mean, for every one hour of acting, there's four hours of waiting around. Uh, so I, I loved it. I loved the constant kind of stimulus and problem solving. I thought it was fun. Um, you know, being a director is, you're kind of a party host. You're kind of like a camp counselor. You're kind of like a leader yeah. of the orchestra. Like it's, it's a lot of different, interesting, like um, hats to wear at once. So yeah, I, I loved it. It's all I ever want to do. Uh, well, yeah, well, I had Barry Sonnenfeld on the show, which yep. was pretty amazing. Uh, but he would say often it's like holding up the red folder and the green folder, or it was rather somebody walks up and says, which is it? And the director's job is just to say the red one. That's, you there's know? a lot of that. Yeah. There, that's, and there's literally like, especially with, you know, costumes and um, production design and stuff. There are literally, but yeah, somebody will walk up holding two things and you just pick one, but you get really good at it. Like um, your brain kind of, when you get used to the, the rhythm of how fast you have to make decisions, um, right. it's kind of fun. And, you kind of, you kind of, at least for the period you're making the movie, just like totally forget about day to day life. Like, you know, I'm not thinking about your house or laundry or like, you know, like everything from like real life just like disappears for that 25 day period or whatever, um, which I prefer. I'm fine with uh, just doing that. Now, uh, looks like somebody may be about to enter the room. I, I can see off the, the off the glass on the front. Right behind door. you. I can see off the French door the reflection. <laughs> comes in with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll be the. Wait a minute now. Go slow. This is going to be on YouTube in a minute. <laughs> so uh, wait. So you, did you? Uh, the name of the film is um, Arkansas, I believe. So did you shoot in Arkansas? We tried to. Um, that was the plan, and we were literally on the ground location scouting in the state called us and told us they couldn't give us the tax credit they had promised us. So right. we ended up having to move last minute to Alabama. We had three weeks of prep and we moved to Mobile, Alabama and shot 90% of the movie there. We did shoot um, a few key scenes in Arkansas, the stuff like Here. downtown right. hot springs, the exteriors, the bathhouse, because that stuff just doesn't exist anywhere. Um, Cause I got a, I got a, I got a sign that says home of Bill Clinton in my toilet, but I just thought, you know, maybe that, that everybody had one of those. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, that, that, was the, that was in Hot Springs, my hometown and Bill's. Oh, it is your hometown. Yeah, I'm, fr I'm from Hot Springs, Arkansas. I, I figured. But I, I can't imagine why they didn't try to figure out how to work with you because the state of Arkansas, I mean, because how much more of an, of a, of, of an ad advertisement can you get than a movie called Arkansas? <laughs> Um, you know, I heard, I heard a couple different things and I'd, I'd preface all this with the, the film commissioner, Chris, Christopher Crane in Arkansas, um, was super helpful and supportive and really tried as hard as he could to make it happen. I've heard, I was told at the time, basically they gave all their money to true detective season three or whatever <laughs> it was that shot there. But I've also heard since then, not not officially from him, but from other people that basically what happened was uh, the new governor didn't want a movie about drug dealers, um, you know, make, making the state look bad. And um, that's, that's what happens when you get, you know, I, I, I mean, I mean, my assumption is like you got whoever was governor before created the film incentive tax incentive program, and then you get a new governor and they're like, well, we're not, we're, we're not wasting money on this. So, you know, I, I figure the truth of it is somewhere in the middle of those two things. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, but I will say had a great time in Alabama. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I think it kind of worked out for the best because weirdly enough, um, so the movie, you know, I'm from kind of the southern part of the state of Arkansas, which is more rural. And what I, and if we were going to film in Arkansas, we were going to be based at a Little Rock. 
And Little Rock is just kind of a nondescript mid-sized city, but it doesn't, it doesn't really look like anything. And it, it really didn't even look like what I had in my head for Arkansas, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. um, I grew up, you know, two hours away from Little Rock, um, 100 miles away. So for me, weirdly, the locations we found in Alabama kind of looked more like the Arkansas I had in my head than Little Rock did. So it, I, I think it probably worked out how it was supposed to. Patrick, were you, uh, were you on the uh, set? No, I wasn't. I was here in L.A., so I didn't have any of the experiences of, uh, mm-hmm. of the uh, local. Uh, uh, but I heard a lot of great stories. There was a great one about uh, Clark told me about the, uh, the money in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that story. This is almost too dumb to tell publicly, but... Um, almost. <laughs> almost, yeah. <laughs> not, not for so, this podcast, or anybody's listening. I'm not going to hang this on anybody specifically, but <laughs> just in case they listen, and it was, not the, it was not the department head's fault, but we, we needed uh, movie money. You know, there's, there's literally... Uh, something called for, I don't know if the listeners don't know, there's, there's literally a company that makes movie motion picture money. It says oh. on it, they use it in all, every movie with money. It's this fake money. It's one company that makes it. Um, and it always is the same. And if you look at it closely, you know, instead of like the United States, it says like motion picture money, you know, whatever. That's wonderful. But the, the, someone in the, you know, in the production design department, we had a scene where we had a, a a bag full of money. There's a couple of like drug deal scenes where we had just like a bag full of money. And they, instead of getting the motion picture money, uh, they decided to go to FedEx Kinko's and Xerox actual hundred dollar bills. It gets better. They didn't even just go themselves to Kinko's and Xerox them. They emailed the work order to Kinko's asking them to Xerox a bunch of hundred dollar bills. So, So we get to the set the next day and the secret service is there like black SUVs. So I guess counterfeiting counterfeiting falls under the secret services purview, which I did not know. Um, They, they protect the president and they deal with counterfeiting. I guess that's like their, those are their jobs. So the secret service showed up. We explained to them, you know, I mean, it was clear we were a movie set like, look, here's Liam Hemsworth. Here's a camera. Like we're not making this up. You know, there's 200 people standing around with a crane. Um, (laughs) It's but yeah, that was one of the dumbest, like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I still can't believe it. The production designer was so apoplectic. I mean, he, it almost ruined the whole rest of the shoot for him. I don't know if he ever recovered. It was like, it was like he couldn't get over it. Um, yeah, he got PTSD or something. Yeah. So somebody, somebody just, just who's operating at a certain level of ignorance around that particular law. Yeah. Yeah, it was an accident. I'm not gonna not gonna name any names, um, but it was one of the dumbest, funniest things that I had ever seen happen on a set. No, I, I thought it was hilarious. Everybody else was really upset, and like I said, the production designer was like devastated. Like I could have went to jail, and I just laughed my ass off. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because um, I was like, "They're," I was like, "Look at like they're not gonna arrest all of us. They're like laughing at us right now at how stupid we are." So yeah, they were going to make literally color, color copies. Well, of, going to they did. They did do it. So, but that, that Kinkos thought that was okay too. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know if they were trying to entrap us. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. Kinkos made the order of money and then called the feds on us after. So oh. yeah, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, mean, I guess Kinko's press- run a sting operation, Alice. I don't know. Did that make the press notes? The uh... <laughs> no, it should have done. Like while making my crime film, we uh we got caught up in a counterfeiting scheme. Thank you for the scoop, though. That's great. So I, I yeah. this is on like five or ten other podcasts. This is the first time I've told that story because I don't forgot about it until Patrick brought it up. <laughs> you certainly earned your your wages, or well. You're way onto the podcast anyway. So Pat, the reason I asked before if you were actually on the set, because sometimes I know that editors do, you know, I mean, in this case, it may be, uh, I'm assuming you shot this last year. 
last yeah. summer or whatever. Okay, so it was well ahead of any kind of health issues. But um, that that often it makes sense if you, I guess uh, if you can be on set because you can kind of start to figure out how how you're editing or even maybe start assembling on the fly. I don't know. But, yeah, but, depending on the show. Yeah, I mean this show I didn't start till after they were done shooting. Right. So oh. I was on the show after the fact, but. Uh, you know, it, depending on the show and the budget and everything else, you always start different times. And uh, but most of the time, you know, and even when when uh, I'm on from the beginning, a lot of times it'll be uh, they won't have the money to send me on location, and the director's comfortable enough with me staying back, and so I'll just send um, you know clips via various services, you know, various uh, secure services, and and they'll watch them from there. Which I can absolutely do on the second on, on the second movie. That'd be fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big money saver because you don't have to put us up for you know editorial plus an assistant flights meals all that stuff it gets it adds up really quickly so um and now i've got an almost one-year-old she'll be one uh next week um maybe she'll make an appearance if she wakes up um but uh, um so it's all it's it's nice to stay home now because i want to be around her and see her grow up and this is this has been the, the good side of the uh, quarantine situation we're having, the COVID situation, is that I've spent a lot of time at home. I'm getting to know her really well and spend a, a lot of quality time with her, which is fun. The bonding is, yeah, it's got to be on a level that may not have been there, or at least, yeah. um, you know, at the speed of it. You know, in other words, you're going to bond, obviously, it's your daughter. Uh, right? Is this, I'm sorry, is it a, a boy or girl? Mm-hmm. Well, I daughter. Huh? It is daughter. a daughter. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe you mentioned it. Anyway, yeah, that's, uh, it is a positive uh, sign of this, uh, even though, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've been talking, doing when I'm doing the podcast, I've been talking about how I'm working and I feel, you know, and I've got more work and I feel terrible kind of humble bragging about it. But I've, I've seen some benefits from this time just slowing down. And I know that, that absolutely none of this applies to premiering a film, though, where it's the last thing you want. Well, can you talk about it, Clark, about that experiencing uh, of the experience yeah. together. Did you, I mean, you must have had your, you must be counting, of course, when you were making this movie on thousands of theaters. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, no, I never thought it'd be thousands with a- I'm joking, but- Indie film, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, a little bit, but- uh, Yeah, but I mean, we were supposed to have a theatrical release. Um, and, you know, we were supposed to premiere at South by Southwest, which I was kind of the most excited about, so- Sure. But, you know, that's kind of the hardest part of the whole thing is, um, I've never got to see the movie with an audience. You know, I've really just, just me and Patrick here, that's the only person I've kind of, you know, really watched the movie at length with. Um, really the other there covering with the knife, yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy with the guy with the knife, yeah, I've watched it. Um, we watched my brother Chandler, who's in the film also. Uh, mm. we, I saw we, we watched it with our girlfriends the other night. Um, but I, frankly, I need a break from it now. But, I mean, the real thing you miss is, you know, the premiere and just seeing it with an audience, it's kind of that, that cathartic release of just, you know, the year's worth of tension. Like, it feels like that's like when you get to let go of the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's been weird to miss that element of it, um, especially something I've worked on. Because, I mean, I, I bought the rights to this book 10 years ago. I've been working on this movie every day for like three or five years. You know, like just forever, it feels like. Um, wow. So... Yeah, I it's it's a bummer, but I mean, you know, I know there's also people that have missed graduations and weddings and right. I mean, there's people that have died that can't have funerals, so I, I don't want to complain too much. But but yeah, it's definitely disappointing. Well, let's talk about the film itself because um, it is a it is a a dark comedy, I guess you could call it. Or I mean, how would you do, how would you prefer to? You know, I, I, I it, it's funny because I um. I always thought I was making a Western and then we're currently like the number one comedy and number one thriller on, on the charts uh, on Apple. And I think the number two movie period, which is pretty wild before the weekend even starts. Um, so I don't know, you know, that's the thing about the movie that I kind of like about it is that it doesn't really fit neatly into one genre and, and people had really different reactions to it. Like there, there are people that totally get what we were going for and there are people that, you know, clearly didn't. Um, but I kind of think that that's, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just convincing myself, uh, <laughs> to soften the blow, but I think when you make something that's kind of, 
polarizing, that means it's probably an interesting piece of work, whether it's a painting or a film or whatever. Well, you're in good company because you could describe the films of the Coen brothers, of Quentin Tarantino. And it, similarly, there are similar, you know, genre problems. Like, you know, how do you... Yeah, so, totally. I mean, I, I always thought Robert Altman's movies were kind of straddling that line of you don't know if they're comedies or dramas. Um, and, and I certainly still love Altman visually and stylistically. Um, he's, he's one of my favorites. But just that tone, you know, Sopranos was always a tone I really I love right. so much. That's my all-time favorite show. Mine too. So you have yourself and Liam Hemsworth, mm -hmm. who are... I mean, I think the tone, like Patrick can speak to this too, I think the tone was sort of in the editing, sort of the... Right. Well, you spend the first few weeks kind of, you know, fine-tuning and figuring out a little bit. I mean, like when you first saw the footage, I would just be interested to hear Patrick's thoughts on this. Like when you first saw the, the footage of the film versus the final thing, was it... Was it wildly different from where you thought we'd end up or a little bit yeah a little bit just because um once you kind of once you told me that you know my favorite film is once upon a time in the west that's when i started to go oh okay <laughs> yeah right so that was when i was kind of clear on on where we were headed um and then we also tempt with a lot of that soundtrack from that right. Which, right. which then put you in that that mindset and helped a lot um, and then it was a lot of playing with time. I mean, you shot all that stuff. There's so much stuff. I mean, the, the first thing that I saw was, was three hours, three, you know, it was long. There's so much stuff that was shot. Surprisingly for how little time you had to shoot, how many days was the shoot? 25. Really, the amount of footage they shot in 25 days is, is pretty incredible. Like 175 scenes. I forget how many locations, but yeah, that was the challenge of the thing. Um, and figuring out the the kind of uh, the timeline of when you go back, that changed a lot. We tried all different versions of like, how, how do you intercut the frog storyline? Is it all in one? Is it in, in five pieces? Is it in two pieces? Is, and we tried every conceivable kind of way to kind of intercut and match things that were happening with in both time periods. And then I think we ended back up with the scripted, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the scripted version. But we literally tried every, every possible version there is of it, um, which is fun. Which, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I think some of my favorite parts um, of making the movie have been, have been in post, like the editing and, uh, and like the poster design and, you know, scoring the movie. And like, I've, because it's, it's really, you know, the old cliche, like you make the movie three times. There was the movie we wrote, the movie we shot, the movie we edited. Um, and that's very if you don't do that, if, even if you don't use those versions we, we cut, they all inform you in some way. And it makes it a better version. And it makes you come up with ideas you wouldn't have come up with if you hadn't have changed the movie. Yeah, and I, you know, I always tell people like the, the process we went through in the editing it, and like you said, even if you throw a bunch of that stuff in the trash, you learn some, like, I, I, learned, I learned so much about writing from editing this film like I know I, I, I'll, I, I don't write movies the same now after the process I had of us editing this thing and, and a lot of that just comes from working with you know me a first-time guy working with somebody like you it's like an Oscar nominated editor that worked on a bunch of big movies um, and that uh, that was a really invaluable part of the process for me just like how just looking at things it made me look at things from a structural standpoint like not that I hadn't as a writer already but but there's a, it's a different thing when the rubber meets the road and you're seeing it up on the screen and you see like, you know, how long a minute can feel or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so were, you, were you able to, Clark, uh, were you able in, through your work in comedy, and, uh, episodics and features, rely on your friends in, in terms of casting? Because the cast is really stellar for a first time feature. I, I didn't know anybody in the cast, except my brother, the guy with the knife that walked by a minute ago. <laughs> That's yeah. the, only, the only person I knew beforehand. Um, so it was all, all by a casting director, obviously. And no, no, it was, I mean, really, it was, uh, the, the, I mean, the person, the thing that made the movie possible was Liam Hemsworth agreeing to do it. And that was just me through the agent sending him the script and us meeting and him he shocked me by saying yes. Like I've told this story a couple times and um, Liam has too. Like Liam said that I looked so surprised when he said yes, that he 
he was like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I just never in a million, I don't know. I just didn't think he was going to do it, you know, because he was, I think he was the first person for that role we'd even sent an offer out to. Um, so there was a little regret in there because you thought, oh, maybe I could have gotten somebody better. No, he was my first, he was my first, uh, he was my first at bat with it. Like, that's why I just couldn't believe it. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then from there, you know, it becomes much easier. But I mean, no, everybody was, everybody was, I just made, uh, the only person we read people for was the um, Eden Rollins part, Jonna, my, lo my love interest in the movie. Um, the, everybody else, was, we, we saw tapes for that, but everybody else we, um, we just made offers to, and I didn't know any of them. But because we had Liam, that made it a lot easier to get other people. Right. And did that help in terms of financing, or was that all set up already? It didn't help. It's the reason we had financing. Like, like, I mean, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. There is no financing without Leo. Without a major star like that, it's yeah, it becomes a right. Uh, so John Malkovich decided to join because Liam Hemsworth was in it. I think Malkovich may have come on. He may have been the last person to come on board. I, I, I don't know. It gets fuzzy in my head. It all blurs together. But um, loved him in it. Liam was first, and um, I think Malkovich had done a movie with Liam before, and they knew and liked each other, too. How many days was he on set? I think Malkovich was the first week, so I think five, five days total. That's not so bad. And yeah, no, he, it, that was, um, I mean, it was pretty wild for me, like, day one. Like, day one shot one of the movie was uh, that crane shot where me and Kyle meet, so I was like, well, this is a a big shot to start with and then um the the second scene was when we meet meet Malkovich's character and then the rest of the week was all the stuff of Malkovich and Malkovich and my brother uh so that was pretty surreal for me you know directing my brother in his first film film role with uh, John Malkovich um but Malkovich is just the loveliest guy just was so sweet and I mean especially dealing with you know like I said a first-time director a first-time guys acting in a, in a big feature um and just could not have been I was telling somebody yesterday um, that I worked with Malkovich and we were, we were both just kind of like saying how great he was. And I was like, I'd look over and he'd be placing mats over cables and stuff. And like, he'd be like getting, I, this is not a joke. Like I remember I looked over one day and he wouldn't like complain or like ask people to do it. He'd just like go whisper to a grip like, hey, can I have some felt? And I'd see him like softening like uh, so when he closed a cabinet door, it didn't make noise. And. I mean, he knew more about fight choreography than all the stuntmen. Like, I mean, he's just, he's just done everything. Like, you wish you had 10 John Malkovich's. Like, he's just the greatest. Um, I made a movie about that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Did you say you got into his head? What? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you mentioned, uh, I heard you say that, is it true your favorite film is Once Upon a Time in the West? It's either that or Casino. Um, it's oh. definitely in my top three, three, three to five films, yeah. I, like, Once Upon a Time in the West, Casino, Long Goodbye. Um. Oh, yeah. You, you, you got great taste, uh, because those are my favorites. I can't, I can't show you, I, I wanted to show you one thing. I just have a handy, this, it's not quite, I'm, I'm holding up my copy of, of The Good, Bad, The Ugly. So I, got, I have that, that DVD version in the little box there, oh. yeah. Does it have this on the back? Oh, nice. <laughs> By the way, this is great radio we're doing, just showing you. <laughs> Eli Wallach's uh, signature, or my version of his signature, because I, I was very careful when I, lift, when I copied it on there. I actually, years ago, and it still is something that I think would be great, I wrote a, uh, a treatment for a film uh, called Spaghetti. You're going to love this. I'm ready. And maybe this is our, maybe we can collaborate on this, the three of us. But it, it was about the, a guy who is, you know, like he, he in the fifties, and he's a Hollywood leading man, but he's all washed up, age-wise, and his reputation and his behavior on sets is awful. And all he has the option of is doing a spaghetti. He's offered a spaghetti western to shoot in Spain, and because he he's so now reviled. And he's in trouble with every, you know, with everybody. He decides to do the, you know, because he has no other choice. And he goes off to Spain. It's about his transformation and how he becomes a, a person, you know. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to crush your dream right now. But did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? 
So, <laughs> all right. I'm, I unfortunately allowed too many of my ideas, didn't act on them, and then they were ultimately made by somebody a lot better and a lot. Yeah, you know, that, that exact thing you just described has happened to me where I've had an idea for something. And if you wait too long, there's something about, um, that's right. I, ideas get in the air, man. Even if you don't tell anybody yeah. there's, I, I, there, there's literally, I won't even say what the movie is. Cause I want to come across like I'm accusing someone of something because I'm not at all, but me and my writing partner on, on Arkansas, Andrew, uh, we saw this movie and we were like, there's no way they got our script right. Cause I mean, it was, it was like beat for beat where like, just like they changed like the, the vocation of the guy. But I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've known, uh, I just think that happens. And then we hadn't even seen it. I don't know. I, I think it just happens. Uh, no, I, I, any good idea is somebody, somebody else as smart, if not smarter in my case, will definitely come up with the idea. But anyway, what, what was weird is like right around the time where I was developing the idea, Eli Wallach released a memoir. Oh yeah, and this is like so. It's a long time ago already. So, but I sent him a letter to like in care of his publisher, and actually, the phone rang. I was up in like visiting friends up in the Great Lakes, up in New York State, and all of a sudden the phone rings. Hi, Adam. It's this is Eli Wallach. Holy smokes! <laughs> so he loved the idea. He liked the idea a lot. Uh, so here I was on the phone with the ugly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was. So he, he ended up calling. We ended up doing a call like a couple of days later. He gave me like an hour of his time. It was amazing. And I just could ask what life was like on the set of a Spaghetti Western. And, um, for, I, I, you know, for some reason, Clint Eastwood didn't return my calls. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, the Once Upon a Time in the West is, is, a, is an incredible. Just the first opening sequence is like a massive. Yeah, I mean, that's like a movie by itself. There's, um, there was a great new book that came out a couple, I think just a couple months ago, Tarantino wrote the foreword to, uh, and it's a highly recommend coffee table book on Once Upon a Time in the West. I think it may just be called Once Upon a Time in the West, like making huh. a piece or something like that, but it's uh, excellent. Is it like one of those Tashin books? Is that what that, that published? It is, but it's, it is, but it's not, it is, but it's published by someone else. I don't remember who, but it's, yeah, it's like one of those. Very good. So what was it, what was the relationship like? You say, uh, Clark, that you really enjoy the post, the third version of the film, as it were, your, the editing and the post-production stuff. What, what did you guys, uh, were you in the editing room with, with uh, Patrick the, for great stretches, ultimately? All the time. I was, yeah, I was, was going to say I was there all the time. I probably drove them nuts. Yeah, I was, I was there. Was I mean, it was great because I loved, uh, you know, Clark is such a great movie watcher as well as a movie maker too he's very he has very knowledgeable about movies and so just the conversations in the room were interesting and fun and it just became a fun experience of like we talk a little we'd work a little we'd try to shape it we'd try different things and it, it was really a lot of fun it's one of the most fun experiences I, i've had yeah if we would have had air conditioning it, it would have been it would have been just about perfect Better, yeah the air conditioning was a little bit light there um, <laughs> The hallways were really cold, but all was, are cold as ice. But they put us in this windowless room with like no air. It was a uh... yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like I said, I um, I, I feel like I learned a lot. Like I, I mean, I learned so much making the movie in the in the actual production phase, and I learned so much in the editing too. Like I, both of them made me. I don't know. It's like I, I'm sure this is really common for first time directors, but it's like once it's over, you're like. Shit, I wish I could go make the movie now, you know? <laughs> like, that makes like, sense. Now that you know what you're doing. Right. No, I, I haven't heard it, but especially, I, I assume that's especially in a, a, a feature of having made your first film. Like, yeah. that, that feeling, it's got to be especially strong. But, yeah. um, you know, do you feel that it's, I mean, learning to edit, of course, is like an enormous, it's almost like you have to, it's almost like a skill set. Right, Patrick, uh, editing? <laughs> but, but do you feel like, thank God, there's an editor? Every writer knows you should not edit your own writing. Uh, yeah, very much so. And that was something I, I had, I kind of learned the hard way because I, you know, the stuff that I had made before that I directed, like I did this web series called Clark and Michael that I, you know, wrote and directed. And I edited all those. And I always edited all my own shorts and, Okay. I made, I made a pilot and, you know, I cut that myself and, um, but, the, but I'd never eaten on this scale 
And this, I mean, this, there was just something, I was just too close to this in a lot of ways. Like I, I just lost the forest for the trees at a certain point. Um, even, even just in the watching of the footage, you know, like there's just, I think you're just like too close. I mean, maybe especially if you're the like writing, directing and acting in it, like there's just a point that you're, you don't know if it's good, bad or ugly uh, <laughs> to bring it back to Eli. <laughs> That was so bad. I apologize. <laughs> it was on your. It was on your mind. It's always on my mind. Um, no, you. Yeah, you need. You need. You need someone. I mean, you just need. You need. A, you need a set of eyes, and you need a set of eyes that are smarter than yours. I mean, that was the other thing. Is yeah. Um, I, I didn't just need like a second opinion. I need someone that I thought was smarter than me and better at me at the job, and that uh, that's invaluable. I mean. How did you come to collaborate then? How did, how did, that, how did that work out? Uh, we met on Bumble. Um. <laughs> you swiped right. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like it's the same as when, um, it's kind of it's similar to when we cast the movie or when I found a cinematographer or whatever. You, um, you know, there's, there's like a list of names and uh, you watch their you watch their movies and you try to gauge from there who you want to ask. And um, like so much of the rest of the movie, um, Patrick was the first person that I wanted to, wanted to ask. And he said, yes. And uh, I, again, I didn't think he would do it either. Cause it was, um, it was either during or was it during the green book Oscar campaign? Like it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, right I was like, I was like, we should start with him, and then we'll go down from like you know, then we'll go to the next person. Um, <laughs> but much like Liam, he says yes. <laughs> the editor of the Oscar-winning. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was like, let's start. You know, let's just aim high. Like, you might as well, and then we'll see what happens. Well, I appreciate it. So let's just make sure we get everybody's in there. Uh, the name of the movie is Arkansas. It's available on every single solitary platform possible at this stage. Basically, yeah, Apple, Amazon, VOD, awesome. On Demand, DVD, yeah. And do you remember the, 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 the mother and daughter in the car as they're driving, the mother breastfeeding in the movie? That was my wife and daughter <laughs> making their movie debut. She was five weeks old at the time because my wife gave birth while I was working on this. Oh, wow. And we needed a shot of a mother and the daughter in the back of the car. And I, I, Clark said, and I said, I got the wife and daughter right here. <laughs> We, sold. She was shooting that. we shot that part obviously in LA then. Yeah, we, we, just, shot, yeah, we, that, we shot that in the parking lot outside the edit bay. We um, yeah. I got a couple of my buddies to come over and shake the car and one guy held a flag and we, we literally shot that um, in the parking lot outside and comped in I think the motion on the window or something, right? Like Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it, it worked. It worked. We did we did some more inserts in the garage in the parking lot of the of the edit bay. Um I won't even say which ones because nobody's noticed yet. So yeah, don't give away all your tricks. So uh, Vince Vaughn is in it though. We we already mentioned. Uh, run down the list so we don't forget. Ian Hemsworth, myself, Vince Vaughn, John Malkovich, Vivica Fox, Michael Kenneth Williams, Eden yeah. Rowling. Incredible cast. Sophia Don Vito. <laughs> yeah, Sophia Elizabeth Don Vito. <laughs> we got everybody in this one. And also the the score is uh we we did a, a we call it. Jailhouse Morricone. It's it's our our spaghetti western scores by Devendra Bonhart and Noah Georgeson, um, who a lot of people know. Devendra's a big a big uh, pop musician, has been for years and years. And then all the songs in the film, all the country western covers are by the Flaming Lips. Uh, oh, and the Flaming Lips are also in the movie and the scene too. So that was a uh, both of those things are very very exciting for me. Awesome, that's amazing. You got the Flaming Lips. Yeah. They weren't talking to each other, but you reunited them. So. I think they all get along. What do you mean? They're <laughs> starting another false rumor. Oh, I think you're thinking of the Eagles, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, guys. Arkansas rented now. It's um, a fun watch. I'm really grateful, Patrick, for your putting it on my radar and, make, and uh, making all this happen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what's next for you? Do you have a, a, a... I'm working right now from home on a movie... Uh, called Press Play, and it, we shot in Hawaii. I got, I got to go with my wife and daughter to Hawaii. So oh, you can go to Arkansas. <laughs> What's that? 
You could, I'm sorry, you couldn't make the Alabama, but you, you. But suddenly Hawaii, I'm like, yeah, I can think I can make Hawaii. <laughs> My wife wasn't working, so it was easy to bring the whole family, and we were six weeks in Hawaii, and then we came back, and sorry, uh, and so now it's it's basically a it's a time travel love story. One of my favorite subgenres. <laughs> and, and Clark, anything? Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, I, you know, I like everybody, I'm sitting here at home. I know. So, I don't know. I've got, I've got three feature scripts written, two pilots. So, I mean, I'm, I'm ready. Um, I know the, it seems like Arkansas is doing well based on just the, how it's doing on the, on the platforms we can see. But, um, you know, that's, that's, I just want to make another one. Sure. Well, I wish you luck with the, the success of, with Arkansas and, and, and to your next feature, too. I'll, I'll look forward to inviting you back on. Hopefully, you'll, you'll be, maybe we can do it in person. You know, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. Uh, my, I'm sending my son. Uh, he next, uh, around the, I think the 18th, he, he, his mom is coming in. She works on a series in L.A. She's going to come in and she's getting him and bring him back. She's been alone for the last couple of months. And, uh, and then... He'll be there through the summer at the very least. So I'm thinking of coming out for a couple of months at the very least. I got to get out of New York. Oh, God. yeah. I didn't, I didn't know where you were at. That sounds... Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in New York. So it's <laughs> Don't bring that COVID over here, man. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I'm trying uh, to get out of here before the next wave, you know. I'm, that's, I know. that's how it goes. All my friends I talk to in New York, I'm like, I'm so sorry. This sounds really, really rough. Yeah. Whew. Um... Well, that's a bummer note to end on, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Lift your spirits, and right now, after you listen to this, because I'll post this soon, but you can actually lead this conversation and go right into watching Arkansas right now. Correct. So that's yes, the beauty please. of it. You know, and uh, thank you both, Patrick and Clark. Appreciate it. It's a thrill to talk to you both. Thanks for having us, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks, man. You decide to run off, I will hunt you down and I'll kill you. Are you gonna die? Most likely. Would either of you boys like to call me sir? You can if you want. I won't think it's corny. We're gonna go traffic drugs across state lines, sir. If you boys catch yourself starting to complain about boredom, just remember the bored criminal is a good criminal. Is this an order from Frog? We've been thinking about streamlining. You can't do that. We do a whole bunch we're not supposed to do. Frog don't seem to mind. It's better to have to look for something to do than have something to do look for you. You expecting somebody? You know what's funny? You boys are here just hanging out. Seems a bit suspicious to you. These two are supposed to be working for me. They're about the worst enemies I've ever had. I've never asked for my life to become a great story. But that's what's happening here. It's not going to end well for you. If you think you're good enough to outdo a man, that's what you do. Say thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Welcome. Should we go? Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Rated R. Hey guys, thank you for listening. We're going to have to post some uh, additional episodes coming up in the coming days because we have a lot of content. And don't forget to occasionally pop onto or subscribe to the Filmax Radio YouTube channel because I'm also posting some segments up there. Recently I spoke to, I guess he's sort of like my counterpart, but in the comedy world where he talks to everybody in the comedy world, and um, he's a writer, and he's a interviewer. His name is Jeffrey Gurian, if you don't know him. He's ubiquitous. He uh, knows everybody, if you, if you look him up. And he recently had a bout with the COVID-19 virus and barely, barely got out of it alive, but he is fine. We did a Zoom call the other day. I posted it on our YouTube channel for expediency, and I'm also putting up other content up there. So I highly recommend that you check out that um, and subscribe to that. Uh, and while I'm talking about subscribing, uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that. You can do that on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, of course, I mentioned. Uh, please do also uh, leave us a star rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts. So, you know, 
when people are listening to other film podcasts, ours pops up as, as a recommended podcast. It, it, you know, I need your help to do it. You're sitting around. Okay, we know you're, you're home. You have the time to do it now. Please take the two minutes or three minutes, let's say, to write a little two or three sentences about what you think about Filmlax Radio. They give us a star rating. Thank you for that. Coming up on the show, in a matter of days, I'm going to play the Allison Anders conversation, which is just one of my best, one of my favorites. We talked with Allison about her professional relationships with Vim Vendors and how she got started with, uh, you know, with him and some great stories from those old days, as well as what she's up to these days. It was lovely to finally talk to Allison. We also have coming back to the show, Dawn Porter, the documentary filmmaker who has a new documentary about about John Lewis. It's called John Lewis, Good Trouble. It was really entertaining, and I can't wait to talk to her about that. We also have on the great actor Michael Stuhlbarg, who's in a new film called Shirley. So we're going to play that for you in a few days. Also coming up, we have a conversation with Mark Cousins, who is a, a, a Scottish director, I say documentaries, but let's just call his work nonfiction, but he's one of the greats, and um, I was so excited to talk to to him. Uh, What else? We have also the musician, singer-songwriter, Josh Rouse, is coming on the show at long last, and the co-host of the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal Podcast, of course, Frank Santo Padre. I would have played that a while ago. I had some audio issues with it, and it just requires me fixing some stuff, and I've just uh, been postponing it uh, like a bad boy, but I will put that up. It's a terrific conversation. Um, That's just uh, some of the content that's coming, some of the shows that are coming up. Stick around, please, and uh, continue listening to Film Wax Radio. Thank you for that. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love, and I'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode of the podcast. Take care. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads.